everyone, I'm Dr. Maz and you're listening to episode 11 of the Balanced Natural Health podcast, where we discuss East, West and all the best in natural health. It's such an interesting time for us doctors of Chinese medicine right now, as we are seeing more and more of the fundamental concepts that underpin our medicine embraced as the foundations of the most progressive biomedicine, particularly in the spheres of functional and integrative medicine and in medicine personalized to the individual. So for example, like in targeted cancer treatment. This is a particular hallmark of Chinese medicine, this individualized treatment, because it treats the individual and not the disease. So this means that in the case of the personalized cancer treatment, for example, 100 cancer patients would have potentially 100 different treatments rather than all being subjected to the one blanket approach. We also see parallels with ancient medicine in areas like gut health and how important gut health is as a foundation for whole body health. We see it in areas of mind-body connection and also in connection to other people around us, other living beings around us and the environment. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. So one of the areas where we're seeing modern biomedicine converge more closely with ancient Chinese medicine is with the idea of individual constitutions and recognizing the fact that we're all unique individuals with a unique genetic makeup, a unique genome, and therefore recognizing that that is going to have implications as to how we all respond to the same treatment, for example, because our biochemistry differs between one and the next person, which means that we're going to metabolize drugs differently, our genes are going to switch on and off differently, and so on. And in Chinese medicine, we recognize this idea that we all have an individual constitution and this is made up of both our genetic inheritance, so the genes that we receive from our ancestors, but also a large part and a much larger part actually is played by how we live our lives. And this is in line with modern findings where some experts suggest that only 5% of our ultimate health outcomes are locked in by our genetic inheritance. So this gives us a lot of room to optimize our health and wellness through practices like diet, lifestyle, stress management, connection to loved ones and other living beings and the world around us. So in biomedicine, this area of science is called epigenetics. And epigenetics means literally above genetics. And this field looks at how various genes can get switched on and off in response to how we live. So a gene can be present like the blueprint for a house, for example, but it won't necessarily express the particular trait or disease that it predisposes us to unless it is switched on. So how we live, what we eat, the pace of life that we have, the emotions and headspace that we maintain all have a very direct impact on how those genes are expressed or switched on and off. Now, in Chinese medicine, this is covered by the concepts of Yangsheng and pre and post heaven qi or pre and post natal qi. So these might be new terms for many of us, but what they basically mean is this. So Yangsheng translates as nourishing life. Um, so basically the importance of nurturing our vitality through 
movement and breath and diet and herbs that includes herbal medicine and food as medicine, um, meditation, connection with people and nature around us, also being mindful of our own energy cycles, our ebbs and flows and tuning into where we're at at each moment and what we need in that moment rather than driving what we think we need based on external expectations, for example. So nourishing life, this concept is basically about not draining our reserves of health and energy. And this feeds into the concepts of both pre and postnatal chi, or it's also called pre and post heaven chi or essence. And basically what this relates to the pre stage, so the pre heaven or prenatal stage relates to our inheritance pre birth. So it's all of the factors that contribute to our constitution and our health and our genetic endowment before we're born. So this refers even to our emotional and mental predispositions because we now know that these can be passed down through generations. And there were some sobering studies on children that were gestated during stressful periods like world wars and natural disasters. And these studies indicate a very clear predisposition to certain emotional states based on the emotional state of the mother at the time. And so this is why in Chinese medicine, we consider it important to nourish the health of both parents prior to conception, and not just in situations when we're looking to boost fertility outcomes. Now, we are all different and unique individuals, and modern gene science is showing us just how unique. As I touched on earlier, our biochemistry differs from person to person, the way that we metabolize nutrients, for example. So this means that how we respond to certain treat treatments or interventions will also differ vastly. So that basically means that there is no blanket approach, no one size fits all approach when it comes to building long-term health. In Chinese medicine, we are well aware of this and we see that there are unique constitutions across individuals. And while we're all unique snowflakes, there are certain trends across different constitutions that can be categorized into larger subcategories, basically like biomedicine is now discovering for itself. Um, for example, Chinese medicine has long maintained that certain types of people are more predisposed to express life balances as, for example, digestive upsets. Another group of individuals would be more prone to circulatory issues. And yet another group of individuals with a certain constitution might be more prone to immune dysregulations like autoimmune conditions or cancer. And the list goes on. So Chinese medicine then offers certain approaches for balancing these unique kind of body types or constitutions. So for example, for the digestive type, if that's their weakest link, that type of person will need to take care to support their digestive function with appropriate foods for them at every point in time. Uh, perhaps they can include some relaxation techniques and deep belly breathing around meals, particularly if they find stress affects their digestive capacity. And for example, the circulatory type might do well to choose herbal medicine and medicine foods that promote blood circulation and, and prevent clotting. And to also maybe do some kind of relaxation technique as stress has such an impact on circulation and heart health as we know. So basically, as you might be picking up from what I'm saying, 
Managing stress and balancing our emotions and our nervous system response is something that every single one of us can benefit from, regardless of our constitution or genes. And in fact, according to the Harvard Medical School, stress is such an epidemic that it is responsible for 90% of all doctors' visits. And again, this mirrors the Chinese medicine view that the emotions or their suppression or their lack of free flow is one of the major causes of disease. So it's great to see that old and new are coming together. So going back to pre and post heaven qi or pre and postnatal qi, the post heaven or postnatal qi relates to what we do with our life and our health once we are embodied physically on this planet. So all that comes after our birth. So similarly to the view of modern epigenetics, which is the above genetics science that we talked about earlier, while our inherited pre-heaven chi or our essence will have some bearing on our life and health, absolutely, the greater impact comes from the post-heaven chi and this is determined by how well we nurture and cultivate that energy. So in simple terms, this basically equates to don't overspend your energy, don't go into energy debt and aim to finish the day with a little bit of energy left in the tank. You don't want to be sort of dragging yourself to the end of the day with absolutely nothing left. So it's about making sure that the energy gathered throughout the day, so in the form of nourishing food and nourishing connections, restorative sleep, adequate rest and adequate time moving our body and mindfully breathing, for example, we want to make sure that the energy gathered from these restorative activities covers and exceeds the energy expended on physical, mental or emotional work. So that can be a long day at the office, a hardcore workout, um, juggling family stresses or other stresses, for example. So we just want to make sure that we're not spending more than we have. So when we strive for balance, we then avoid dipping into our energy reserves. So it means that we're not pushing past that inner voice that is calling for rest or space. So we're not pushing past that little voice to squeeze more out of our day with coffee or sugar or stress. Basically, they're all stimulations of a kind that squeeze our poor little adrenal glands to pump out more stress hormones to keep us going that little bit further. But at what cost does this happen? Well, according to Chinese medicine, continually dipping into our energy reserves depletes our vitality and we lose our ability to maintain our health balance or our homeostasis. And this is where symptoms can start to pop up. And while we might get away with burning the candle at both ends for a time, there is only so long that we can cruise by on our backup energy stores. And this is why we start to see cases of burnout, adrenal fatigue, thyroid and hormone disruption, fertility issues and so on as a result of pushing the body beyond its sustainable limits. Another area in which Chinese medicine was definitely the first to the party or one of the definitely one of the early adopters is in the very popular field of gut health. So Chinese medicine places healthy digestion at the very center and foundation of good health. 
and it literally does so like in all of our classic medical diagrams the digestive organs are placed at a position at the center of all of the body's organ systems so we recognize how fundamentally important healthy gut function is and this is consistent with all of the fascinating contemporary work around the microbiome and the gut bacteria. So the microbiome is basically all the bacteria that live in and on our bodies. So these guys outnumber us roughly 10 to 1 and when they're balanced they help us with many body functions and processes. But when they're disrupted, there is also a correlation between a disrupted microbiome and a huge range of health conditions, ranging from asthma to anxiety and arthritis, um, endometriosis, depression, and so on. In recent years, we've also discovered that up to 70% of our serotonin, which is one of our happy neurotransmitters, which was previously thought to be produced in the brain, we've now discovered that a vast proportion of that is actually produced in the gut. But in order for it to be produced efficiently, the gut needs to be healthy. So disrupted gut health can directly influence serotonin production. And another article I just read yesterday actually suggests a link between gut bacteria and the disruption of gut bacteria and nerve fiber coating, which can have implications for diseases like multiple sclerosis, for example. So we can see just how broadly and comprehensively our gut health will affect our general health and why it's so important to cultivate our healthy gut. So Chinese medicine for the past several thousand years has really honed in on supporting gut health. So we have specific medicinal herbs and certain acupuncture points and dietary approaches that support a healthy microbiome. And this then provides us with a strong foundation for all round vital good health. Another area where we're seeing a convergence of old and new medicine is the recognition of the fact that mind and body are linked and one impacts the other and you can't separate the two. So while Chinese medicine has understood this for thousands of years and we've incorporated this into our understanding of the body and our treatment of different conditions, in the West the two were separated in the 17th century and we can thank René Descartes for that during the Enlightenment period. So that time was really a period of rationalization and of really valuing the mental and logical input over the senses. Um, so it separated the mind from the body. But as we are discovering and as Chinese medicine has upheld throughout all that time, you actually can't separate the two. And we can see examples of this mind-body connection in our everyday life. Like if we spend a few minutes thinking about something that makes us happy, like someone we love or a great holiday we've had, our heart rate slows, our breathing deepens, our mood lifts. But if we spend time ruminating over something that stresses us or frustrates us or overloads us, then we can start to breathe more shallowly, our heart rate can speed up, our stress hormones can start pumping out, which can then over time lead to inflammation and can have a whole lot of cascading effects with our body chemistry. So mind and body are absolutely related. So when we're looking after our holistic health, we have to also consider mental and emotional health as well.
And this is echoed in a lot of the newer findings like the Harvard Medical School opinion that I mentioned earlier that pinpoints at least 90% of doctors' visits to stress. So going off the back of that, Chinese medicine has long understood the importance of stress management and the proper expression and flow of emotions. And to move these emotions and to regulate the nervous system, we will practice things like Tai Chi or Qigong or Dao Yin, which is like the Chinese medicine version of yoga. There might be meditation and mindful movement all practices that switch on our rest and digest nervous system in which the body is allowed to return to balance and start to heal and repair. And the final area that I'd like to talk about is the importance of connection. As a holistic medicine, the concept of connection and interplay, interrelationship is built into the very foundations of our medicine. And this is being echoed in some of the newer findings coming out from the field of biomedicine. So for example, longevity researchers were able to identify certain communities around the world that they called blue zones. And these are zones in which people have much higher than usual lifespans and a higher quality of life into their later years as compared to the rest of the global population. And one of the common factors that they found across these blue zone communities spread all around the world is the importance of connection. So importance of connection with loved ones, with our community, but also those incidental daily connections with, say, the person making your coffee at the cafe or checking you out at the supermarket or the bus driver. And interestingly, another longevity researcher that I was listening to recently pointed out that the single biggest indicator for the length of our life is actually the quality of those daily incidental connections. So making time to exchange a few words with someone or smile and eye contact, that repeated connection throughout the day can lower our stress levels, lower our cortisol and inflammatory markers just by bringing that human connection into our daily life. And it's not just humans. We've all heard about how wonderful pets are for our health and also being out in nature. So in a past episode, I talked about the measurable health effects of forest bathing and also of grounding. So walking barefoot in nature. So Chinese medicine understands that we are intimately connected with the web of life that surrounds us. And everyday examples of this are all around us. So for example, we might walk into a, a space and we might feel the bad vibes of a place and that will have a direct impact on our body. It will pick up that message. All of us or many of us have probably worked in an office space that's draining that for whatever reason, whether it's the mix of people or the airflow or the quality of the light is quite draining for our energies. Even the fact that our bodies fluctuate with a night and day rhythm and the fact that we biochemically respond to light changes around us, this shows how interconnected we are to the environment around us. I mentioned a few episodes ago as well about an interesting study that was happening over in I think the University of Manchester called Cloudy with a Chance of Pain 
and the researchers there are looking at the incidence of pain and how it changes with the weather and they're finding that people who live with arthritis for example or fibromyalgia tend to have more pain on cold and damp days which is in alignment with Chinese medicine treatment of these kind of conditions. And this acknowledgement of our intimate connection with the world around us and the communities and people around us is really holistic medicine at its finest because not only can we not reduce parts of the human into separate discrete little pieces that don't talk to each other but also in the same way we can't be viewed as separate from our surroundings and networks so that just shows how important it is that we look after not only our own health but the health of the environment even if only for the selfish reasons of ensuring our own health going forward so having covered those areas where there's a convergence between old and new what can we do to look after ourselves according to ancient wisdom and ancient medicine so because we're all unique and because we all respond individually and medicine should be personalized i think it's really important that we start to tune into our bodies into our individual constitution our individual genetic makeup because we're all so unique, nobody is going to know your body better than you. And our bodies and minds are constantly talking to us. We just need to take a bit of time and space and quiet to listen in. But we can then find that our bodies are in constant conversation with us. So for example, are there foods that after you eat them, you feel vibrant and light and energized and happy? And are there other foods that leave you feeling foggy, fatigued or bloated or cranky or even congested? And similarly, how do you feel when you sleep at different times or for different lengths of time? And how about activities? How does your exercise routine affect you? Does it benefit or does it drain you? And the answers to these questions will vary from day to day depending where we're at in our energy cycles, how resilient we're feeling, what else is going on with our lives. But as we start to tune in to these answers, we can then start to fine tune our daily activities to optimize our energy and therefore our health and well-being. And part of this is also not overdrawing our energy accounts, so not leaving nothing in the tank at the end of the day. Another lesson we might take from ancient medicine is allowing our emotions to flow. So allowing emotions to be expressed rather than suppressed and learning to manage stress and training our bodies to drop more readily into that rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system state. And we can do that through activities like meditation and breath work, even just noticing when we are jumping into that fight or flight response into that stress response and just with that awareness taking a few breaths and allowing our body to soften even tuning in throughout the day and noticing how am i breathing or how am i holding my body is my jaw clenched and my shoulders up around my ears all of these things are sending a message to the body that it isn't safe. So just being aware of those and releasing them and bringing softness to the moment can send a message of safety to the body. Another lesson from Chinese medicine is to listen to your gut and look after your gut health. So eat real food, not processed stuff, not inflammatory stuff. Chinese medicine, we're very big on warm and cooked foods because these are 
better for digestion. The stomach is basically layers of muscles. So if we're putting cold stuff into the stomach, it's impeding the supple function of that muscle, which then will impede the release of certain enzymes and acids and other digestive factors that we need in order to extract the most from our food. So definitely cooked and warm food, warm drinks, your belly will thank you for it. And finally, connection, prioritizing the importance of connection with humans and living beings and the world around us. Life gets busy, but we can all spare a moment here or there to just have a human interaction or to go outside at lunchtime and actually get some fresh air and feel the sun on your face or take half an hour on a weekend to go to the park and sit under a tree all of those things your body and your health will thank you for. So I hope that's been interesting. It's a really fascinating time and it feels like every day there's something new that pops up in the latest research or the latest cutting edge of biomedicine that basically echoes what Chinese medicine has been talking about for millennia. So thanks so much for joining me today. Feel free to get in touch and send me any questions you'd like me to discuss in future episodes. All of my contact details are in the show notes. And as always, also a reminder that Chinese medicine is an individualized medicine that tailors the treatment to the individual person. And this means that none of the information discussed today is intended to replace your existing medical advice from other medical practitioners. If you would like more detail, please see your Chinese medicine practitioner for a detailed and personalized assessment. Thanks for listening and wishing you the very best of health.